This is the doctor, the therapist, and the coach on One Radio. Hello and welcome. We are at a brand new studio. It's Radio House. Isn't it beautiful, ladies? It's shiny. It's very beautiful. We've got lights, we've got beautiful walls, we've got brand new microphones. It's just, it's all a little bit snazzy. It's quite red lighty, though. <laughs> it is a bit red lighty, yes. <laughs> And talking about red lights, Angela, what do you do for a job? Yeah, so I think we should start by clarifying what a clinical sexologist is not, Gemma. Well, that's what I wanted today's podcast to be about, actually. And I thought it'd be a great way to start our new sessions in Radio House with each describing what we all actually do. Are you up for that? Yeah, but I'm just thinking I feel more grown up in here than I felt in the other studio. <laughs> I don't know why. Do you feel like we're adulting a little yeah, bit more? A bit. I feel a bit more sensible. <laughs> it does. It does have that real sort of. The, 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 you can only hear us. Yeah. And we don't have our earphones on, and and it's all very very sensible. You are right. Mm-hmm. Colette, do you feel sensible? No. <laughs> <laughs> and Angela's got new hair, and it's, it's very beautiful. No, I, I've got the old hair that's just been unleashed. Angela's got old hair which has been unleashed. <laughs> You've unleashed your mermaid, which yeah, I find no. very, very attractive. I have unleashed myself into mermaidness. <laughs> Angela's also been leading me astray, so I've now got the mermaid kit as well. So we might both look like that. I don't need a mermaid kit. You don't need a mermaid kit. Within weeks, you two we could can be, be poodles. I'm all right. We I'll could just be, just be have like a, a little badly hair. trained cockapoo. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to dive deep dive into what we do because a lot of people, obviously, doctor, the therapist and the coach, the doctor's fairly obvious, you're a doctor. Mm -hmm. The therapist, that's fairly obvious, you're a therapist. The coach, sometimes people, I think, get a bit mixed up about what I do. But not only are you a doctor, you're a clinical sexologist, which everybody, when I've been explaining, obviously, we've written the book and we've got the podcast, we've got all these new things coming out. Everyone's been like, what is a clinical sexologist? So what is it? You see, I think that lots of people describe the job in different ways. The way I describe what it is, is what it is not is someone who sorts out sexual infections and contraception and and kind of gum clinic stuff, which is what I think people often think it is. Ah, I see. It's sexual dysfunction, sexuality, healthy sexuality, sexual wellness, more about sex than about the things that, that sort of infect or cause problems with, I would say. So what sort of person would, would, would seek out a clinical sexologist's help? So I'm trained in psychosexual therapy and I'm trained in the medical bit of sex as well. So if you, if you had problems with erections or if you couldn't climax or if you had pain, that's kind of the stuff that I would deal with. So it's that kind of thing. And I know that this is a conversation that we have a lot about, about the how when women pass the menopause, obviously a menopause specialist mm. do, but when women go past menopause, they're sort of, there is a lot of um, general practice that leaves them out of the theory of, of climax and sexual function. Is that right? Have you experienced that? general practice that leaves them out of the climax of theory or something. I just kind of got lost in the middle of that, Gem. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, without offending GPs in general, okay. is that... <clears throat> this is an area that's not covered. 
Yes. This is yeah. it. After you've after you've finished menopause, you're going you go through something and then you're sort of just left out to pasture. Do you know sex full stop is kind of left out, I think, of our training, or at least the training that I had, sex was very much left out of it, other than as a GP. Yeah, other than you can get pregnant or erectile dysfunction or you might get an infection. Pretty much that was all of sex. So the reason I trained was I genuinely didn't know what to say to women when I was seeing them and they said that I've got this problem or that problem and there was no one to refer them to Mm. Um, and then I did my usual thing of going down a rabbit hole so I did a bit of learning got really really interested did lots and lots of stuff and I'm still going when when you're doing your practice with your clinical sexology what in your practice day-to-day obviously without you know going too deep into it but what day-to-day are you what problems are you solving I would say there's two there's two ways I clinical sexologize. One is like in a clinic where it's I actually I really like it as well. One in a in a clinic where I get referrals. So if I do a clinic in Hull where I see um I do menopause, I do psychosex work. So I and I don't just see women at menopause, I see women throughout the whole sort of or anyone who identifies as female all the way through the sort of life ages and stages from 18 up. Okay. Um so I see people who get referred in with loss of libido, although loads of things get come in under the blanket of loss of libido. It's often something different. Um people that can't climax, people that have got pain, um people that might be leaking when they're having sex with you leaking urine or anything, anything that you perceive to be a problem with your sex life because what i am really interested in going forward in in you know the next season of our podcasts is you know how many times people have had problems that they don't understand that they can actually take to a doctor that is an actual specialist you know we don't talk about this enough do we and also that's what i was saying i do the the two bits because i think i do my specific stuff which is about sex and then I don't think that sex is not involved in everything else. And if you get high blood pressure, I'm going to give you tablets. They're probably going to affect your sexual function. If you have depression, I'm going to give you or talk to you about medication. And that's probably going to affect whether it's easy to climax or whether you have interest. So actually, it weaves through everything. I think it should weave into everything that we do as doctors because we impact it all the time. And there's there's so much as well, isn't there, that... that, that we we don't talk about you know how how can you sort of get people to talk more about this what's the what's the answer to that how are you going to get people to to seek out your services like you know in well, the future I, like we talked about this before i think colette would say this that people don't have the language for a lot of it do they they don't actually know what words to use to describe what's happening to them so my personal view is we change this stuff by starting quite young and teaching people language and giving them a a narrative of mm. what to expect and tools to use. So I think if you start then you can. Is it a British thing? Yeah, yeah. So the um so the the qualification that I did is from the European Society of Sexual Medicine and most of the sort of the, most of the training and the conferences happen at a sort of a European level and I think they're just a bit more cool about sex generally than we are sometimes. I had this conversation with my partner who's Norwegian and we were talking about how, you know, how they are taught things in um in senior school, lower level senior school from age 12 upwards that we wouldn't you know, teachers wouldn't ever say. And it it was fascinating that, you know, the, the openness of the Scandis, specifically the Scandinavians, that, that I've experienced having lived there, and their understanding of sexology in general and, and when there is a problem. That That is fascinating for me, how the British in, in general, I know that we can't generalise the whole of Britain. Were you but, taught anything about sexual pleasure at all? 
Never, not once. No, were you? I went to a Catholic school. Sex no. doesn't exist. <laughs> that, yeah, in a, in a sort of sticking it in a nice box marked taboo, they taught you loads about sexual pleasure by putting things behind a bunch of nuns. rules. Nuns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, that, we I've don't... never had sex. I went to a Catholic school. <laughs> How we... have you had those four children? <laughs> Immaculate conception. But there is that sort of element that, you know, how can we how can we expect people to have healthy sexuality when all we teach them is how not to get pregnant and, you know, how not to get an infection? We're looking for an absence of a negative there, aren't we? Yeah, and we're not teaching that anything can be deliberate chosen. You know, we often do the consent conversation, which is good now in schools, but we don't. I don't think we teach people language to vocalise what they may enjoy to communicate with a partner. A lot of it happens kind of silently by trying. So So what have we got to look forward to that you're gonna your doctor is going to bring to the table for the next upcoming season of podcasts. Are we talking series? about what I'm going to bring? You, what are everyone's you? doctors are bringing what, to tables no, what, across what the is, country. What is Doctor Angela Wright bringing to the doctor, the therapist, and the coach table? I don't need more of the, more of me. I think oh, is what I'm bringing more to the you. table. Everybody curly, needs more of you. And curly hair. And curly. Mm. I love it. Thank you. That's okay. Colette, you are a therapist. What sort of therapist are you? That is a really good question. So I trained in Rogerian therapy, which is person-centered therapy, which effectively puts the the client, um, referred to as a client, not a patient, at the center of their own understanding of themselves and their own wellness. But over the years, I've been doing this a long time, I guess I've, I've trained in lots of other things as well. So I'd say that now I'm an integrative therapist. It's interesting you when you say that you've trained in a lot of other things. I'm not quite sure that you've, you've emphasised that enough, Colette. <laughs> when, when we're talking about, I know that you one of your things that you've trained in is addiction therapy. And, and I'm not sure if as, as an addiction therapist, you can maybe tell me, can you be addicted to getting certificates? You can absolutely be addicted to getting certificates. So um, what Gem is alluding to is that I wasn't validated as a child and therefore I'll do pretty much anything for a certificate. Underwater crochet. What <laughs> certificates do you have? Can we like list your certificates? We haven't got enough no. time. We have we to leave literally time. by midnight. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, mean, I, I, can, I can do everything from kind of... Um, CBT, DBT, um, addiction treatments, um, solution, like individual sessions, solution focused treatment, motivational interviewing, psychodynamic work, couples therapy. Um, Santre. Santre, I know, Santre. Um, art, smart therapy, sort of transpersonal sort of therapies. I mean, it just, that, that's a very, very long list of lots of things, really. I have known other therapists um, in, in my life, and I think. You are the most diverse therapist. Diverse? That's a new a word. A I put a T on the end. It wasn't supposed to be a T on the end of diverse. We can leave it there if it makes you feel comfortable. No, I don't. I don't like it. Diverse. I don't want diverse the T. Diverse therapy. I, delete, delete. <laughs> <laughs> so, but diverse without a T. You are the most diverse therapist I have I've, I've ever met. And what I what I love about you is is that I think it's 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 also the fact that you've got 150 million certificates, but also I think you're allergic to boredom. That would be very, very true because mm. I do lots of other kind of things in my life as well. Um, I, I guess I take, I, I tend to take my life quite lightly, but I take my work very seriously. And it's really important to me that the person who's in my room with me has the best chance of of happiness they can possibly get. And if that comes from learning I need to do, I want to have that available to me. Um, now... In your own very special way, of, of which I know that you can, um, what 
what did you what reason did you want to get into becoming a therapist why why did you become a therapist what reason was it First of all, I've just got to tell you, this is a new studio. I'm a foot shorter than Angela and Gemma, <laughs> and I can't reach the ground on my Her chair. Her feet are swinging underneath. I'm it's literally really watching you swing your feet like a chair. <laughs> so I'm As feeling a bit a very, very adult conversation about your job. <laughs> I actually can't reach the floor. Um, so what brought me to therapy? Um, being short. Uh, being short. Yeah. <laughs> I could sit down so nobody would know. Um, I believe very strongly that people should not be done to. They should not be done to by expert or other or made to feel I don't know what the word is maybe unavailable in their own lives or irrelevant in their own lives that their own innate knowledge is somehow superseded by by someone else but there was a poem I read um, by a poet called Araya Mountain Dreamer and there's a line in that can you sit with pain mine or your own without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it and that's why I decided to become a therapist. And you put that poem in our book. Mm. I did put that poem in our book. And I love that poem. It's also in my clinic on the wall, on my website. Oh, really? Mm. You really like that poem? I really like that poem. Because it talks about, it, it, it says, you know, it doesn't interest me if the story you're telling me is true. Mm. You know, And people are so fixated on this version of the truth of themselves, which is the one we offer. But truth is, I mean, if you'd have asked me 25 years ago, I'm at my first husband, I'd have given you my truth. Mm. It would be different than my truth now. It's not that it's not true. It's just I'm 25 years older. What, when, so when you, when you get a client, depending on, you know, which one of the certificates they've come to you for, yeah. um, what, what is your, I know it's not, maybe it is outcome based, I don't know, but, but what's, what's a process of therapy? Because a lot of people... Especially again in Britain, to generalise us, you know, we're not like America. Who, you know, everybody in America, it seems, has a therapist. Everybody is very open to go to therapy in America. Um, what what is it about um, us here that is a little bit less in um, inclined to seek out therapy? That's interesting. So I've seen a massive uptick. In, in my in the amount of clients coming through the door. Is that me referring them to yeah, you? Yeah, um, <laughs> But kind of in, in general, people used to come in almost under the cover of darkness with a bag on their head, you know, praying that I would say there was nothing wrong, I guess. And now people are coming in having self-diagnosed from TikTok and putting it on Insta. Mm. I'm not sure either of those are really healthy. Um, I think the thing I see the most is that when people come in, I'll always ask them if they've had therapy before. Yeah. And they often say yes, and then I'll say what type of therapy, and they don't know because they don't know there were different types. Yeah, I've and, started. I've started asking people about the therapist that they'd go to. What type of therapy, knowing yeah. the therapies that you you. Yeah, understand. so I mean, if you've got someone maybe with ADHD who can't sit still, I mean, if you think about sitting opposite a stranger in the room, yeah, and you don't know me, that's already confrontational. Yeah. Or if you think about um, someone who maybe doesn't have a language to attack attached to their emotional state but all I'm offering is language so mm. you, how how do you access that you know and there are so many other ways shall we just go outside you know rewilding therapy shall we go and scream scream therapy drum circle therapy art therapy sand tray <laughs> um 
you know, there are, there are so many other ways, and it doesn't have to be just one way. And what do people normally get from therapy? Um, other than the benefit of my wonderful self, absolutely. We all we all need to pay for that. <laughs> um, I would hope that that I leave people better than I find them, and that's yeah. all I could hope, really. But what mm. I'm paid for is to give someone 50 minutes of my time when I've agreed to do it in a space that they've agreed to. Yeah. I'm not magic. You know, it doesn't matter who you see. Unless you want to change something, nothing will change. I'm not going to come to your house and, and, and get all the goblins away. That's not my job. And I think also there is a big misunderstanding when, you know, people just assume you're going to fix them. And it assumes they're broken and most people are not. Yeah. And and also, it's it's like, well, do you give people homework? Do you get them to think about things? Do you depends. Sometimes I do. Um, again, it, I mean, homework's for CBT, mm-hmm. cognitive behavioural therapy. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It really depends if it's relevant. I, I think fundamentally, a bit like I, I guess when Andrew and I talk about this, I would like to help people elevate to beyond just survive to beyond just not painful Mm. you know it's like people come in and they're on fire and they don't want me to put them out they just want it not to hurt and I'd like people to be able to step out of that and I know when Andrew and I have discussed um, your clinic you said people come in because sex hurts but why don't we can't we elevate it to something you enjoy Mm, mm. you know so it's it's about that you know could, could we enjoy this life as we are without having to magically transform into a a different person or yeah. a different body or this mythical other that is not available to us now and probably never was and almost certainly won't be in the future. Yeah. So can we just be where we are? And that's, I guess, what I offer. Can you be where I am now and I'll be with you? And going forward into the next series of our amazing podcast. Amazing podcast. Um, amazing. Um, what is it that we can get ready for from Colette? A stool to get on this chair. <laughs> Can we a step a ladder, little, please? Yeah, a ladder. I want to see her climb up. The funniest yeah. thing is that it is an adjustable chair. She just hasn't found the adjustable button. But if I do that, <laughs> I'll suddenly drop to the floor. And nobody will be able to hear you because your be, mouth will be so be far away from the mic. And Angela's curls will fly up like a poodle. <laughs> so what can we expect? What can we expect? Um unfinished sentences and very non-directive conversations <laughs> um I, yeah. I i guess that's that's what i that's what i do mm. um as well as my husband would say point out the obvious i mean there is um there, there's a, a psychologist well it's actually not a psychologist but there's there's a theory called the three principles um sydney banks um and and he really just talks about your own innate common sense yeah you know, you're saying, well, people come because maybe they're broken and you need to fix them. Well, they're not broken because they came. You know, even in the worst state someone was, they came through the door. They brought themselves in. Yeah. You know, so. And that's that's a really interesting point. I think when you are in a state of, of difference, be it panic, anxiety, grief, whatever it is, your inert sort of what we've got. Well, the word I was looking for today, what was it? Um, intuition, thank you. I got it from your head. Do you see me get it? You actually extracted it. I did extract it from her ear. Yeah. Um, intuition leaves, and yeah. a lot of the time, you know, even just talking to you. I know we're not in therapy, and I'm very lucky because you're my friend. But just talking to you thank sometimes. Thank you for pointing out you're very lucky because I'm your friend. <laughs> <laughs> we're all very lucky. You're my friend. Everybody's benefiting from this. 
<laughs> but even just chatting to you on a day-to-day basis, you extract, you know, you sort of, sometimes if I'm, you know, if something's happened or, you know, you, you just silently, very, very kindly just make me extract the common sense back and find my, refine my intuition, my intuitive thought process by asking, you know, even asking simple questions, but also providing an environment that's quite safe to, very yeah. safe actually, to, to be back in my intuition well yeah a lot of it is just you know the fear creates a lot of noise Mm. and then we just can't hear ourselves i think and also sometimes what we think might not be what we really want to think yes you know and then where do you take that where do you take that if you can't even allow your head to think it that's kind of what i allow yeah and my way of being is very allowing so most people tend to feel able to say anything to me so I guess sometimes, and often once we've said something, then it's not in our heads anymore and it doesn't feel as big. Mm. I'm not always kind to you. Sometimes I tell you just to get a grip and sort it out and it's your own fault. I'm just <laughs> pointing that out. And to my job, <laughs> I do the same. Job, <laughs> well, I was going to say, we need to talk about your job. No, I don't I mean, know if we should ask her in unison, though. I don't think we could say the same thing in unison. We'd we never come out with the same question. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. What did you do? I didn't say I was that. sniffing the microphone because I don't know if you've noticed they really smell nice. <laughs> oh. I don't have a certificate for that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll 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 tell you what I do. So it's I don't think that's okay without one of Why? us asking you. Well ask me then. Know. Okay. Gemma, yes. what do you do? Well, Colette, thank you for asking. You're I am um, <laughs> I... very directive for a therapist. <laughs> I'm a coach and I I have to, I, I mean, you know, when Colette actually introduced Angela and I and, mm. you know, sort she of brought, made us. she did, it yeah. was, it was like a, a triangle that was always meant to be together, all of a sudden just fitting together like a jigsaw puzzle. We're just like Charlie's Angels, I'm the short one. I actually watched Charlie's Angels the other day on, because. You were disappointed, I was you? so disappointed because um, it was bit pants. Which one? Which one were? Who was? Who was what? Who was who? I couldn't she figure it out. Oh. No, I watched the Cameron Diaz one with Lucy Liu. Is it Lucy Liu? Lucy Liu and Drew yeah. Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't massively impressed, if I'm honest. I can't even remember. No one knows who Charlie is. I, yeah. I could channel my inner Drew Barrymore. I think. Okay. Well, you do that. You can decide who I am. Um, Lucy Liu. Really? You're the only <laughs> one with dark hair. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. I'm like. On the absolute diametric opposed spectrum of Asian. <laughs> I'm sorry, Colette, but choose another one. <laughs> Which one of this is? Well, you can't Lucy, be Lucy well, Liu, you, you, you have to be Lucy because you're five foot two. But I'm blonde. You can dye your hair, it's been dark. <laughs> and I'm Irish. <laughs> is there an Irish Lucy Liu? <laughs> oh, there is God. now. I only wanted to be Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> All right, I haven't seen that one. But from from my perspective as a coach, we all came together and what I love that we realised at that lovely evening meal that we had at the nice mm. pub that we probably can't go back to. Um, that was Angela's fault. <laughs> I don't even remember what I did. What did I do? Both our maybe husbands don't. crawled under the table. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was No, it was it was a great night. I loved it. And it I was had a nice, great time. Uh, it was nice that the fact that Andy's our husbands in therapy. Didn't, didn't talk at all because they couldn't get a word in edgeways. Uh, it was yeah, really brilliant. Recall. Yeah. And and so what what I loved about that is that the synergy that we all bring to the table and how we are all very much um, we do very similar things and 
it's you make people or you are providing a, an area for people to make changes if they want to. And yeah. I think that from my perspective, because I, I have such a diverse clientele range and they they the age range they have ability range they're all over the place and i love that because it it keeps me um why Sorry. are you laughing i said ability and then you laughed and looked no, at no, colette they're all, all over the place, place. <laughs> <laughs> they are they're all over the diametric opposite spectrum um and and i love that i provide a nice space and and a lovely entertaining space, which I do for you all the time when you're on the treadmill. She's treating me a really, really I dubious look. I can't look at you she'll make me laugh. <laughs> so my job is to basically make people have the environment to make changes and and whatever that entails. So I use um, an environmental, you call it biopsychosocial. I was just thinking we are, are we biopsychosocial? Then I'm bi, well, I don't want to just be bio. I know, yeah. I think we all sort of have a little bit <laughs> of a, a foot in each door. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I provide an environment that, that helps them understand emotions and, and even to an extent hormones without mm-hmm. being a doctor um, to understand the way their cognitive brain performance works and then to, to really find the door opening up into their physical Car performance. Park. Also not to eat cake. <laughs> yes, that's also one thing I do tell people not yeah. to do. And to and lift bread. things that are heavy. Yes, if they want to. I mean, you know, it's it's about performance. Is and it if, an allowing environment like Colette? Kind of like, I will allow you to lift this if you want to, but... Well, I, 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 I sell it as an allowing environment and they get to make choices and then I get to make better ones for them. Mm. So they they get to they get to choose and then I get to over choose. I love that phrase. Mm. Over choose. <laughs> yeah. I get to suggest a different choice. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. and as a coach, I think um it's it, I I give people suggestions or I don't suggestion is maybe not the right word. I tell people what to do and mm-hmm. it's it's more specifically. of a specifically yeah and and some people say that i'm intimidating and i don't think i am i don't think you're intimidating i don't think i'm intimidating i think i'm i think i'm direct and i think that i am i'm very quick to get to a to a to a an quick answer to get to a no not to the end of a sentence yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not today <laughs> it was the traffic um but no i do think that there is a real crossover in what we do you know I it's a Venn. Very, we said it's a Venn. Yes, and I think it's that's a Venn true. diagram. I think, Gemma, that you help people get to their possible. Yes, I I do believe that my performance. It's it's whatever is your performance. So what do you want to perform at? You know, and and for me, it's some people want to get really really super performance at health. You know, they want to understand how they can make their body the healthiest body that they can, and you know it. It, I love that because it's a challenge. It's like, you know, when people come in and they're already athletes and they want to get even better, it's like, wow. But then there was a lady that came in and she could barely walk and she just wanted to walk around Edinburgh. And I, I helped her do that as Why well. Edinburgh? So Because she, well, cause that's where she wanted to go, to the castle. Okay. And she wanted to do steps and things and she couldn't. And I thought that was, you know, she's in her 70s and I love that. Mm-hmm. So it, my job is to is to help you find the way that you can you to get to your I performance. Said the first time I came to your gym, where I came, <sighs> there was lots of things. Colette. <laughs> <laughs> I said you had to make me look like someone I'd be prepared to have sex with, because <laughs> <laughs> I just looked like someone who could make a casserole. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at you. Look at you. I know. I know. Falling at my feet. Well, obviously not in this chair. <laughs> yeah, but you got a red light on your face. <laughs> 
it's fabulous. What it's I just a, think there's it's a, like a whole journey. It is. I think there's just there's a, there's a possible in that when people can take control of their bodies, because fundamentally that is about the the boundary of what you can take control of, um, and then you get the mastery. So a CBT term would be mastery of okay, I can do that. I've said I can do it. I followed it through. I've done it. Go me then what else can you do? What mm-hmm. else can you do in the rest of your life? So I get people generally who are hopeless and helpless. Yeah. Um, and all three of us, I think, provide a way to take some control back. I think also, you know, for me, in my role, like, for example, I'm competing in July and I'm really excited about that. mentioned that. Yeah, go <laughs> me. Yeah, we are going. Uh, mm. We were all going to Norway in July. And and I'm very excited about that. Now, I I... You know, you know, as as a coach, I always want to bring not not so much motivation. I don't really like the word motivation, but fear. I am <laughs> what fear, fear, no <laughs> fear. Come on, <laughs> I like I like sort of inspiration. I, I would like to if 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 I'm going to be anything, I'd like to be an inspirator. Mm-hmm. And I think that inspirator. <laughs> no, it's a word. It's an official it's word. Of it's going in Collins. Gasperator. <laughs> I think we use them in ICU. <laughs> Inspirators. <laughs> Well, it's a new word today, okay. coining it. So I think that if people are to to want to do something. You want to be around people who have done something that, you know. You... I want to be around inspirators. Exactly. That's me. And and I am very happy that I am competing in July because then I keep on, I, you know, I get to do my thing and, you know, being strong and, you know, sort of it's the new in thing. It never was popular 20 years ago when I started it. It's now become very popular. Female strength is very Mm -hmm. much on the rise. People are very, it's the new normal. It's, you know, strong is sexy or this kind of stuff. So I'm quite excited about that. And and I get to sort of re-inspire. I know that a lot of my clients are very interested in my training. They keep asking about it and and it sort of keeps it at a certain level. I've I've been very lucky. I've, I've being able to train lots of world champions but at the same time I've trained my mum and dad just so you know my mum is the most difficult person in the world to train much more than any other athlete on the planet and she will agree <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she I does it on purpose your mom. I absolutely everybody loves my mum everyone calls her mummy T because she's the mother to many <laughs> but she is very difficult to train but that is what I do I am all about making you perform at your very best and I love that and I love how we all have this real jigsaw synergy that brings us together and what I want to bring is um, the, the, the I can to the to the equation that's what I'm bringing to the table that but you that, can that is what you did so was it 13 weeks ago when my husband said I'm going to run the marathon having never run anything this is amazing um, and everyone around him went oh you're going to die <laughs> and <laughs> And collect, check the life insurance. Um, you just you so you, did. I did actually, you actually? I, just, I actually did. did yeah. Wow. Um, God, that is not a good starting point for him, is it? To kind of <laughs> support if you ever know yeah. anything. <laughs> but even people who weren't as direct about their concern as I was, um, you know, we, we didn't think he'd make it even to the start line. But you didn't. You just said, "Oh, okay, twelve weeks. Here's a training plan. This is what you'll do." And you just broke it down into possible and, and then he ran a marathon and he did it well he mm. didn't die he looked amazing all the way through it he can barely walk still he's still um, injured well not injured but recovering um he's moving towards the standing phase <laughs> but he did it so well and he smiled the whole time and at the end he didn't look like he'd just run a marathon no, I mean, no, he, he, he looked so good yeah, a medal. and that is a, such a massive achievement for somebody that just went do you know what i need to not be sedentary anymore i'm going to do something and, and he did he, he the sort of brain that he's got he really does need a big goal to be but can you see that you not only 
believed him, validated it, you then made it possible. Yeah, I love that. You know, so that's where you get to immediately. Yeah. Which and I think I, is quite amazing. And I think that, you know, for me, I love the human body. I love the human you know, movement patterns. I love human behavior. You know, the way that, that people think the psychology behind sport, the psychology behind achievement, you know, it's it's all very, very important when you're looking at somebody that says, I want to do something. But yes, I love it. I love my job. Do you love your job? Absolutely. Do you love your job, Angela? Yeah, I think it's, I was saying this, I was on a call um, yesterday morning planning, planning a talk for the BASH conference in Wales in June. And What's the BASH conference? It's a sexual health and HIV kind of conference, oh, but there are three of us doing sexual pleasure we've called ourselves team sexy and i've got an hour i'm doing the nuts and bolts you're doing the nuts and bolts bolts of team sexy of team sexy then um silver's doing the bells and whistles talking about kink and paraphilia and things like that and naomi's doing the cherry on top so she's talking about the clitoris but it's and we were saying but it's kind of you know we do a lot of work because work isn't work it's actually genuinely interesting it's really you know enjoyable stuff to be kind of doing and talking about so it is it's a lovely job to do. It well, is. ladies, thank you. I am so looking forward to the next season of our podcasts in the fourth chair, mm-hmm. which is going to be very, very interesting where we get people to come in and speak to us, each individual. Obviously, we're going to give them our doctor, our therapist and our coach advice and suggestions and love and space, time. And uh, thank you very much for this evening, ladies. It's been lovely spending time with you, as it is always. Thank you very much. Can somebody get me off this chair? (laughs) We'll let you down now. (laughs) 